Hello. Hello, Nicola. How are you? <laughs> We're out of practice now because it's been a few weeks since we met each other uh, in a podcast setting. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I might mess something up or get something wrong. I feel a bit... We won't all record over the, the entire today. thing. Yeah. Um, yes, we're back. We were away for, we were away for actually only two weeks. And I feel like we've been away for six months. So much yeah, has happened. It feels like a long time now, I have to say. But uh, yes, a lot has happened indeed. <laughs> yeah, but so we were, uh, we were just coming up to the hen weekend, the last episode. And oh my God, we're just, just about recovered from that. It was <laughs> mahoosive. Yeah. Well, you can do oh, the review yes. because you were the one that was... Oh, yeah. It was, uh, it was... I could never have asked for a better weekend and it was one of the best weekends of my life. So there you go. <laughs> no, it was incredible. Simple. It was genuinely uh, absolutely incredible. And I was actually reading somebody else was saying it there that had their hen at the weekend. Like, it kind of takes the edge off the wedging a little bit when you have the hen party because you're like... I'm surrounded by people, you know, who I love and love me and you have a really good time and you kind of know that like whatever happens, they'll support you. And, you know, it's really nice. So it gives it you a taste of the been... gives you a taste of the crack that's going to come up at the wedding as well, doesn't it? Like, yeah. You know. And also, like I kept saying, like, I'm not the best at I love like partying and all that stuff, but I'm not the best at being the center of attention. So I was a bit kind of out of sorts, I think, the first day because I was just a bit like, I don't know kind of how to be yeah. or whatever. And like, to be yeah. fair, we just kept drinking for three days. But um, so I think that first day I was just a bit like, like kind of having an out of body experience. <laughs> but mm. as we went on, that kind of got easier. And I think that kind of helps for the waiting then as well, you know, where you're like, it's OK to be the center of attention for 24 hours. Like, you know, you just kind of have to get on with it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I know that sounds weird, but like that was kind of one of the things that was I was a bit nervous about. But um, well, the weekend was absolutely brilliant. So the lads absolutely outdid themselves. You outdid yourself and it was planned to a T. And the crack was just 90 and everybody like went for our themes of sequins and unicorns on the Friday and the crack then on the Saturday. And we did a silent disco around Edinburgh, which was... <laughs> most mental thing ever <laughs> if people don't know what it is it's like I think some of us were when you said it that well, oh, we're going around to Denver and it's going to be sent this guy I was like all right so like a history tour or something <laughs> <laughs> and they were literally singing like take on me walking down the Royal Mile or whatever and uh, singing at random cars and people and stuff and doing river dance on uh is it Waverly Bridge or what's that bridge yeah called? but um Waverly Bridge yeah. so yeah, it was just absolutely the best crack and just everything, like I said, was planned to achieve. So thank you again for... Yeah, I'd love welcome. to relive it. I'm like still depressed. Uh, <laughs> we went to, uh, on the Friday night, we went to Bongo's Bingo, which I've been calling Bingo Bongo all along, but it's Bongo's Bingo. <laughs> and um, that was absolutely wild for anybody who's not yeah. been to that or Bingo Loco Bingo Loco, yeah. yeah. If, you, if you have a sesh planned uh you should definitely get along to that because it was mad and great yeah, crack great i must crack. say but um no and it was lovely to meet all your pals you know i would have probably met them all individually over the years bar maybe one or two and it was great to get them all uh together and yeah we had we had massive fun all together we just yeah oh, it was stop. it went really I'm really genuinely well. still recovering in some way or another but uh, actually i think it was probably Last Wednesday or Thursday, when on my hangover had passed, 
Yeah, hangover <laughs> such days. <laughs> yeah, even poor Jerry, I don't think he's ever seen me like that. I couldn't really move for about three days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the man was and- like delivering me like McDonald's and milkshakes. And <laughs> it was great. I definitely know I want to marry him. But uh, <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, they had uh, the stag too. And that all went off without a hitch. Although I think they stayed in the same pub for like the entire day. But sure, look, that's men. <laughs> Yeah, very yeah. different to our weekend, but um, yeah, in four weeks today, we're getting hitched. <laughs> Cannot wait, so, madness. Can't wait. So, we'll be here for a few weeks and then we'll have another little break again, uh, because yeah. we'll probably be shook from that too. And then we'll be back to normal life for a few we weeks. <laughs> yeah, come the middle of July, normal service will resume, but um, yeah, and Kelly yeah, so- moved into her beautiful new house as well. Yeah. The week after the hen, I was a shadow of myself. <laughs> I was packing up boxes and whatnot. But um, oh God, that day was the most stressful day of my life. We were lucky we didn't do a podcast just after it because I would have been like needing full blown therapy. It was, <laughs> oh, it's just hard to explain. But like when you're in a chain and there was four houses in our chain and all these things have to happen on the one day for it to work. And because it was a Friday, if it didn't work that day, we would have literally been like homeless for the weekend. You know, we were mm-hmm. out of our house, all our stuff out, then nowhere to go, you know. So eventually we got our keys at like six o'clock that day and there we were trying to like get the kids home from school as in in Edinburgh and and move to Linlithgow and thankfully some of Stuart's uh, family came around and helped us make beds and uh, build beds and make beds and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, we um, we got there eventually, but like, yeah, I'm surrounded by boxes and chaos you know there was a lot of like just shove that stuff in that cupboard just now and we'll sort it out later you know <laughs> and mm-hmm. I feel like we need to spend an awful lot of time I'm gonna maybe try and do it room by room or something because it's just very overwhelming at the moment the other funny thing is in this house there isn't a lot of like attic space but there's loads of like cupboards and storage mm-hmm. and as you Nicola bravely came over as well that first weekend to help out thank god mm-hmm. and um and there's no shelves. So like you've these huge cupboards, but there's, they're just empty, big, huge cupboards like. So we yeah, need to get a joiner great. in to put like shelves in so you can actually stack stuff up. And I mean, you could stack boxes on top of boxes like, but it's a bit stupid. So I need to get that done. And yeah, there's loads of bits and bobs. But we've met some of the neighbours. They all seem very nice. And um, the kids are getting on well at school, even though we've kind of messed up and picking them up and dropping them off and <laughs> sending them in with the round clothes on and all sorts of stuff. I feel like they're going to all think we're nuts. But um, I was away at work as well last week and it's just been full blown chaos. I'm absolutely wrecked from it. But mm. at least we've not much on the next two weeks. So we'll hopefully get things straightened out a bit. And it's really just prepping now for going to, well, I'm going to Glastonbury before the wedding, but also the wedding and getting clothes sorted out and all that jazz. So... Yeah, it's busy, but it's all good and the hood and it's summer, so we can't complain at all. And we're out in the countryside and looking across the green field. So happy days, happy <laughs> days. Although I did go for a run the other day through a big field and it was like a jungle and I will not be going through there again. <laughs> there he is. I was ta- wondering actually what your new running route would be. There's also a llama farm uh, down yeah. literally like 100 metres from the lad's house, which is yeah. gas altogether as well, and a stables. So it's actually like being in some sort of Netflix teen uh, yeah. <laughs> like horsey <true>. programme. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, the, my, my, there's a canal not far from here, like it's the Union Canal that runs from oh, Edinburgh nice. all the way to Glasgow basically. So I went down to run along there, but you kind of run along there and then you go go into town and back around. And I thought, oh, I'll just come through the field. Stuart come through. He was like, uh, yeah, it's fine. It's a bit, he said, you wouldn't take the kids in just now because it's very overgrown, you know. 
sure mm. like I'm not much taller than Estelle I was like <laughs> oh my god it was in my face you know and then you're kind of running through it and you're like even though it's, it's where there there should be a path but because it's so overgrown you've got kind of nettles on one side and then you've got this mm-hmm. crop I don't even know what it is um kind of falling in on top of you and I was like oh my god there's gonna be like a bat or a bird or something's gonna fly in my face as I'm running through you know but um and then the bugs you know I'm worried about the bugs and getting bites and oh my god yeah but um oh well, speaking of bites I encountered Scottish midges for the first time last week up at Isla oh my god How yeah they're different over there anywhere I remember I used to never get bitten um in Ireland and then when I lived in the UK it got destroyed as well it's weird oh my god I had heard I mean the ones in Scotland are notorious up north and all that but I had like talk about swarms like you just you couldn't stand there like it was mad and I thought oh I've got away with one or one or two bites and then over the preceding like preceding following five days they've just started appearing all the bites you know like (laughs) oh my god it's terrible like I actually couldn't live anywhere like that I just couldn't or if you did you'd have to stay inside all the time yeah but Isla was fabulous oh my god I was up there at work it was absolutely unreal so we've so much to talk about and yet I have loads of content for the um, podcast today so we better just get on with it it'll all come out in the wash anyway let's rock on (laughs) okay number one one this is very funny because It's so strange. I was like, I have to talk about this. But I don't know if anyone is going to know what I'm on about. So it's sexy baby voice. So this makes me laugh and recoil and horror equally. Do you know what I'm talking about? Sexy baby voice. (laughs) So this is an article uh, that was on RT by Kate DeMolder. She's a journalist. And it looks the deeper meaning of impersonating children around men. And what does it say about those who comment upon it? So I'm going to play you a little clip here now. This is from 30 Rock. And apologies for the sound quality. I might just swap in a proper file into the piece. But I'm going to play you this bit just now so you can get an uh, an idea of what I'm talking about because I did a really bad impression there. So one second now. You're a very sexy baby. I can't help it if men are attracted to me. Like that homeless guy. He likes what he sees. Okay. So it's okay, that weird. sort of intonation... You know, and kind of baby voice. Yeah. Okay. So, um, sexy baby voice is something that's come to prominence, notably experienced by way of reality dating show contestants looking to find love or all else fails lust on the small screen. I thought this would tie in well with the start of Love Island this week. Uh, one such Mm. instance is that of regional manager Jessica from Netflix's Love is Blind. Do you know Jessica? The 34 year old. I don't watch that, but yeah, no. Oh, it's I one of the did, trashy sorry. ones I don't watch, no. <laughs> so she's wildly oh, impressed. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. I do know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yes, she was quite a bit older than the fella she was with. And yes, she had. She did have a little baby voice kind of thing. <laughs> so the 34-year-old is a wildly impressive woman, highly educated, well-employed and traditionally beautiful. Yet her, her pivot to stardom isn't based on her credentials. Uh, her impression on viewers centred around the inclusion of a wholly curated vocal fry, it's called, taking the pattern of up talk or upward inflection only when in the presence of men. The shift is jarring and uncomfortable, slatting the viewer into the role of voyeur at one's displeasure. Um, she says, no one knows I'm in Mexico in a straight to camera confessional, her voice full and Illinois deep. It's tripping me out. Cut to her cradling a man, his arms around her and they look at the sea and she turns into... I love hearing the waves crashing on the beach. (laughs) She tells him in her voice, now lilting, high-pitched and fried. That's like my favourite thing. (laughs) So anyway, it's unknown when sex baby voice 
first gained global awareness, but in the English-speaking world, it's widely considered that actress and director Lake Bell brought it to the fore. Female voices lend themselves to misperception, she claims. She said there's a pandemic that is rampant in this country when she was talking to Conan O'Brien. Um, it's, ter- it's the sexy baby vocal virus, she remarks, in a helium leap, assuming the position of a sultry newborn bird. It's festering through this nation and it could be our great demise. So I'm going to play you a little clip of her talking here now. Two of them, actually. Sexy baby vocal virus. (laughs) And it's two things, right? So it's pitch, right? It's so it's talking really high. And then it's also the affectation, which is the fry and up talking. So we've all we've all experienced like people talking like this or seeing them on TV or whatever. So this. They're just trying to get to the bottom of like, what is this about? Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? And what, like, is it attractive or what? Like, why are people yeah. doing it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm. exactly. According to 2013 study, men prefer women with higher pitched voices because it signals that mm. the woman has a small body size. Likewise, women reportedly prefer men with low pitched voices signaling a larger frame. Most women will mm. relate to this. Think Barry White. <laughs> <laughs> most women would relate to this knowing that there's been always been a value placed on girlish femininity which comes from the history of women having significantly less social power than men but why is the idea of it so pervasive when women have harnessed their st- status and sexuality for power for decades um, and then they have a this professor of life writing and culture at London Metropolitan University Anna Carf talks about how one of the reasons is that the voice is often used in a more private and intimate settings, ones that you don't usually see on television. But in these sorts of shows like Love is Blind and Love Island, we mm. uh, it provides us with these kind of settings where we can hear them at length, you know. She was talking to Louise, Louise McSharry, actually, um, on her mm. show when she was still on 2FM. Uh, the fascinating thing about the voice is that in it, you hear so much about what femininity, femininity is today and how people feel they ought to be. Because this woman has a perfectly normal, rather nice voice when she does the testimonial and suddenly she goes into this sexy baby voice. It's Mm -hmm. almost like she's trying to make herself smaller than what she is in order to make the men feel bigger. These aspects are not created anatomically. They are to do with how femininity is constructed. They're how we perform being women. So that voice is a created voice and tells us something about how she feels she has to be a woman. In sexual relationships, the idea of purring sexuality still for many women involves somehow diminishing themselves and making themselves powerless. Her book details how the human voice is far less anatomically determined than we think. We use our voice to denote status, power, wealth, and it's wholly affected by society. Women's voices as a whole have actually deepened over the last 40 years, something she has attributed mm. to women entering the workplace and attempting to assimilate men's voices in more egalitarian countries. Many of us hate hearing our voice played back to us, which Carf says yes. is because... We are used to hearing our own voice through our bones, which makes it sound less high pitched rather than unfiltered through air. I thought this was really interesting. But Carf believes our voices embarrass us because we hear in them the things we hope to have edited out. Like a Freudian slip, they tell people things (laughs) about us we'd rather they didn't know. We feel betrayed by them, she says. If she heard that voice played back to her, she would probably be squirming with discomfort, she said. Paris Hilton famously revealed that the voice used during The Simple Life and her mid-aughts era of relevance was entirely put on as she found it financially advantageous to do so. As the season wears on, Jessica slowly dissipates from sexy baby voice when around men, allowing her comfort to engulf her need to feel small. We see this happen in shows like Love Island 2, where women alternate between natural voices and high-pitched inflections around those they want to evoke sexual feelings in. 
while it may appear jarring, most especially at a time when it feels women are steadily gaining ground in a man's world, to rebuke self-protection in that way is simply directing hate at the wrong person. So what's a tiny, sexy girl to do? As it is, most women have such a long to-do <laughs> list of self-improvement, she says, and on the whole, I believe women accepting themselves as they are is the most important thing. But one thing I would say is a really good, powerful voice is a voice that is free that is full of vitality and moves all over the place, that we're not locked into one place. One of the ways we can become more powerful in our voices is using them more fully and knowing we don't just have one voice. We have dozens of them. In essence, Carf suggests we be ourselves in every way ourselves can be and allow others to do so. But as day dawns on another year of reality, television-based, sexy voice baby chat, (laughs) the key finding here is to realise that we don't know what's going on behind those larynxes, and we never will. For the old saying goes, if someone wants to emit the sound of a toddler, let them. Because when the topic of conversation really is sexy baby voice, an oxymoron if one ever existed, who are we to say what's why and what's really a different problem altogether? There you go. What do you think of sexy baby voice? Um, so there was a few things in that. I also hate the sound of my own voice because I think mm. it sounds deeper when I hear it myself than when I listen to this podcast or, mm. uh, you know, catch your, like a clip of yourself. That's why I think when we were doing this first, I was nearly violently sick listening uh-huh. back to it. <laughs> right. um, but yeah, that whole thing. But that was very like. 1940s 1950s when audio was in films and stuff it was very like mm. oh you know like a very Betty Boop that yeah. voice like you know it's funny so, she doesn't mention yeah, Betty Boop she, in the article yeah maybe she's very young yeah but like yeah. yeah maybe but um yeah there are definitely so I think it's probably dying out though it's not as common as I think it would have been in a lot of like 90s mm. even like you know I, I we were watching um Police Academy <laughs> Yeah. No, please forget me. And you know, the little one who's like, she's really quiet and she's really shy. But that's actually not a sexy thing. It's just kind of to show that she's like really quiet and shy. And then by the end, she's like roaring her head off. (laughs) So, like, you know, kind of, I suppose it depends on, yeah, the context of it. But yeah, I hate when women do that, though. But like when women put on like a particular voice for men, it's like, oh my gosh, you know. We have to watch out for it now if you're watching Love Island. You'll have to watch out for all that kind of uh, normal voice versus flirting, chatting yeah. with the name voice or whatever. It'd be interesting. Mm. So there you go. Right. Uh, we're halfway through the podcast and we've only done one thing. Right. Moving along. <laughs> Number two. Two. So I'm actually not going to talk about Love Island because it's only been back a couple of days. I'm not feeling it. Not feeling it. Now, I will talk about it a little bit in the internet bit a bit later, but uh, for my TV segment this week, I'm not going to talk about it. We've actually watched some great TV over the last few weeks. It has helped my, you know, post hen uh, depression mm. an awful lot so um a few big things we never discussed was the end of dairy girls i presume you finished oh, it as well yes. we're not going to spoil it for people but mm-hmm. if you haven't watched it last season i kept them all and i binged them literally the day we got home from the hen which was the best idea i've ever had <laughs> Mm. so um literally watched all seven episodes that evening and it was just a joy I thought it was great I thought they wrapped it up so well I was bawling crying in the last few minutes I think I would have yeah. cried at the happiest it was emotional. in the world <laughs> but it was, it was emotional. so well done it really was fab so if people haven't watched it definitely check out the last season and um also in the last few weeks, uh, finished a couple of seasons that are completely done. So Grace and Frankie is completely finished. We talked about it before. Um, mm. I, I talked about it before as a recommendation. And that's completely finished now. And it was quite nice the last season. So if you're still kind of watching it or in and out of it, definitely go back to it because it's kind of worth finishing it out, I think. 
And then the best thing we've watched over the last few weeks is the new season of Stranger Things. Oh, I can't wait. I haven't started it yet. Yeah. So good. It's my favorite yeah. season so far. I think it's brilliant. All the episodes are really long, like they're feature length, like an hour and 15, an hour and 30. Wow. Yeah. So I know for people like you with small kids, it's kind of tough because it's like, when am I going to get an hour and 90 minutes to watch yeah. this without falling asleep? But um, we watched a lot of it kind of last weekend and the weekend before. And it was just so nice to have something reliable to watch. And it, yeah. it is quite long, you know. So it's is scary. it being broken up? Is it being broken yeah, up? Like so they're releasing they four seven. episodes now on? How no, many? seven now. Seven. Plus oh, seven awesome. out now. Seven and, and seven. No, oh, two. seven and two. Oh. So two then. And like, you mm. know, it's obviously been like two or three years since the last season. You can kind of see why, because they are so long, the episodes, and mm. there's a lot put into them. It's so good. Oh, my God. Oh, it's I'm so scary, though. The first episode is really, really scary. So like, as somebody who watches horrors and stuff, I love that stuff. I found it very scary. I was very on edge. And even that night, we watched kind of half of the second episode too. And that night, I kind of was, it was in my dreams, you know, you know the, the kind of scary thing. Um, mm. So, but then it kind of, obviously, it's, it's always the same with Stranger Things. The first few episodes, of the, it's like any horror. The first few things are the most scary because you don't know what it is or yeah. whatever, maybe. But the story is so good this time around. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, mm. So... The fourth episode in particular is absolutely excellent. And then the last one before kind of the gap now was really great as well. So you're really mm-hmm. set up for kind of what's to come. There's And it's nice this time and again, not to spoil it, but like there's three or four different storylines. It's not just the one storyline and the, okay. all the characters within it. They're like, yeah. dif- they're not all together. So it's yeah. not really a spoiler, but they're not all together for this season. So it's yeah. kind of nice to see other characters maybe more than we would have seen them before and things like that mm. and oh it's just so good I just really enjoyed it like to the point where we finished that last episode and I was like really satisfied with it but also like oh no I have to wait like freaking three weeks now to watch the last two but mm. they've announced that there will be one more season and next year well probably in two years time now will be the last season of it okay. so yeah. you kind of see that I mean they're getting so old those they're kids all growing are, like, up. in their 20s yeah. now <laughs> But it's I bet you'll come so back in twenty up. years' time, like uh, like yeah, the other, you maybe. know, Ace but, and all um, that. Yeah. They look so grown up. In they do, yeah. Now, but uh, so good, absolutely brilliant. Really enjoyed it. So definitely get on it, start watching it. Um, a few other kind of big things out at the moment in the cinema and stuff like that. I haven't actually gone yet, but we're going to the new Jurassic Park this weekend. So I shall tell you all about it next week. I love a good nice. Jurassic Park myself. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so loads of good TV, I have to say, at the moment. So it's nice mm-hmm. to kind of have a few things to sink your teeth into. And yeah, there we are. Cool. Yeah. Looking forward to Stranger Things. Speaking of them getting older, did you see that thing about like there was like a countdown clock for when Millie Bobby Brown was going to become 18, like when she was going to become legal or was it 17? Anyway, whenever it was legal for her to have sex with someone older than her what? or whatever. Yeah, it was disgusting. Ooh. Yeah. Um, they were just talking about how she's been, you know, sexualized, obviously, from a very young age. Um, but no, can't cannot wait. And uh, Kate Bush is at number one on most listened to song in the whole world for running up that hill because of Stranger Things. And it's like all these people yeah. in America going, who's Kate Bush? It's like, oh, my God. So maybe oh, we'll see a Kate Bush resurgence. Like, I can't express to you how well it's done in that episode, though. Mm-hmm. It's not just like they're listening to a piece of music or they play a piece of music. It is class. So really? it is no wonder that 
it is like I've listened to it I'd say 100 times in the last two weeks since I watched the episode as well like yes, and actually yes, it was so stuff. funny because mom was staying with us last week <laughs> and we were like do you mind if we put on a few episodes of this thing and even mom was enjoying it <laughs> was she oh that's yeah, good I thought it'd be a bit too it. she's not mad into like scary kind no, of no she's not things. but it was funny yeah. I think she actually really enjoyed it so I was telling her now we've finished that season if she wants to go back I'll watch it with her but uh yeah it was mm. funny but it's so good and the way they've done that episode that was the fourth episode of that song is in and it's just class so cool. yeah spooky though it is spooky there's a few points where like I the pillow up couldn't watch it <laughs> so yeah. just to worry I think I'm gonna do like Saturday night for the next few weeks so I'll get one on and that'll be yeah, my weekend nice. treat yeah mm. okay moving along number three Free. So our fox this week sadly passed away since we were last on air. Her name is Dervla Murphy. You may be familiar with her. She was an Irish touring cyclist and author of adventure travel books, which which she wrote for more than 50 years. Very, very interesting character. Uh, She is best known for her 1965 book, Full Tilt, Ireland to India with a bicycle about an overland cycling trip through Europe. Iran, Afghanistan, Pakistan and India. Murphy Murphy normally travelled alone without luxuries and depending on the hospitality of local people. She found herself in some dangerous situations. For example, she was attacked by wolves in former Yugoslavia, threatened by soldiers in Ethiopia, robbed in Serbia. However, she described her worst incident as tripping over cats at her house and shattering her left arm. Uh, Sounds about right. Dervila Murphy was born and brought up in Lismore County, Waterford. From a young age, she planned to travel. For her 10th birthday, she says her parents gave her a second-hand bicycle and Papa sent me a second-hand Atlas, her grandfather. Already, I was an enthusiastic cyclist, though I had never before owned a bicycle. And soon after my birthday, I resolved to cycle to India one day. I've never forgotten the exact spot on a steep hill near Lismore where the decision was made. Halfway up, I rather proudly looked at my legs slowly pushing the pedals around and I thought came to me if I went on doing this for long enough I could get to India I think that's lovely um, Murphy attended secondary school at the Ursuline Convent in Waterford but left at age 14 to take care of her disabled mother during young adulthood she took a number of short trips to Wales and southern England in 1951 to Belgium Germany and France in 1952 and two trips to Spain in 54 and 56 which seems very um, travelled to me at a young age she published a number of travel articles in the Hibernia journal and the Irish independent newspaper but her Spanish travel book was rejected by publishers. Her father became ill with nephritis and died in February 1961. Her mother's health had been deteriorating for many years and she died in 1962. Uh, that Her death freed Murphy from her domestic duties and allowed her to make the extended trip for which she had long planned. The hardships of poverty and you she says the hardship and poverty of my youth had been a good apprenticeship for the form of travel. I'd been brought up to understand that material possessions and physical comfort should never be confused with success, achievement and security. In 1963, she set off on her first long distance bicycle tour, a self-supported trip from Ireland to India, taking a pistol along with other equipment aboard her Armstrong Cadet men's bicycle, which she named Rosinante in allusion to Don Quixote's steed and always known as Roz. She passed through Europe during one of the worst winters in years. In Yugoslavia, Murphy began to write a journal instead of mailing letters. In Iran, she used her gun to frighten off a group of thieves and used unprintable tactics to escape from an attempted rapist at a police station. She received her worst injury of the journey on a bus in Afghanistan when a rifle butt hit her and fractured three ribs. However, this only delayed her for a short while. I mean, like, she seems to have seen some crazy stuff. Her journal was later published by John Murray as her first book, Full Tilt, Ireland to India with a Bicycle. After arriving in Delhi, Murphy worked as a volunteer helping Tibetan refugees under the auspices of Save the Children. Her journals from this period were published in her second book, Tibetan Foothold. 
Murphy published an autobiography, Wheels Within Wheels, in 1979, describing her life before the journey described in Full Tilt. Murphy's daughter Rachel accompanied her on a trip to India at the age of five. They flew into Bombay and travelled to Goa and Korg. The pair later journeyed to Baltistan, Peru and Madagascar. Their last trip was through Cameroon on a horse where Dervla was frequently mistaken for Rachel's husband. On <laughs> um, travelling with a child, she wrote, A child's presence emphasises your trust in the community's goodwill. And because children pay little attention to racial or cultural differences, junior companions rapidly demolish barriers of, shy- of shyness or apprehension, often raised when foreigners unexpectedly approach a remote village. In 1978, Murphy wrote a place apart about her travels in Northern Ireland and encounters with members of the Protestant and Catholic religious communities. It won the 1979 Christopher Ewart Biggs Memorial Prize. She credits her 1982 book Race to the Finish, The Nuclear Stakes, as turning point a turning point that led her to write about more political issues. In 1985, she lived for several months in Bradford and Birmingham, talking to members of the Asian, Afro-Caribbean and white communities and witnessing firsthand one of the Hansworth riots. In 1992, she cycled from Kenya to Zimbabwe, where she witnessed the impact of AIDS. When describing this journey in the Yukimi Road, she criticised the role of non-governmental associations in sub-Sahara Africa. Her other writings include discussions about the aftermath of apartheid and the Rwandan genocide, the displacement of tribal peoples and the post-war reconstruction of the Balkans. She was anti-globalisation and critical of NATO, the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund and the World Trade Organization. She spoke out against nuclear power and climate change. Murphy stated that some readers disapproved of the political stuff, but another group tells me they haven't thought about these things in this way before and are glad that I've written it and thought more about the political side. My view is that I have these things I want to say. I don't really care if it spoils a pure travel book. Murphy never married. In 1968, she gave birth to her only child, Rachel, fathered by Irish Times journalist Terence Devere White. Her decision to bring up her daughter alone was described as a brave choice in 1960s Ireland by the Sunday Business Post. Although she had said she felt safe from criticism because she was in her 30s and was finally and professionally, financially and professionally secure. Following Rachel's birth, she spent five years as a book reviewer before returning to travel writing. She lived in this moor with five dogs and three cats. She was a patron Aww. of the Sustrans, a British charity for sustainable travel, and of the Lismore Imrama Festival of Travel Writing. In 2019, she was presented with the inaugural Inspiring Cyclist of the Year Award by Dublin-based advocacy group iBike Dublin, the same year, she received the Royal Geographical Society's Ness Award for the popularisation of geography through travel literature. Murphy died at her home in Lismore on the 22nd of May, 2022, aged 90. She was survived by her daughter, Rachel, and her three granddaughters. The President of Ireland, Michael D. Higgins, said her contribution to writing and to travel writing in particular had a unique commitment to the value of human experience in all its diversity. There you go. Oh, what a life, though. Unbelievable. What a life. Yeah, and even just, the fact that she just took the five years off when like she had the baby today, and then she started it up again, like yeah. amazing. And took Incredible. the baby with her in a time mm. when, like, I mean, even now you'd probably get that'd be fairly frowned upon, like you know. So um, mm. amazing, just obviously one of these people. We've said it before. You know, there's just some of these people. They just do their own thing. They're just trailblazers. They just don't conform. They just do their own thing. Like, it's really to be admired. I must say. So yeah, I've never read any of her books, but I'm going to get that. The travel to India one, I think, and have a read. Yeah, Elaine was telling me about it recently. She mm-hmm. was saying she actually said you should do this box of the week. <laughs> so there yes. you go, a few weeks ago. But she mm-hmm. said she was reading that book again, and it's brilliant. So there you go. Yeah. Now might be cool. one for box of the week. Dervla Murphy, R.I.P. Okay, over to you, Nick. Number four. Four. Number four this week. So. 
you know, I didn't want to completely neglect my roots of uh, having a love for Love Island. So I did think that I would go through a couple of accounts with Chi, people mm-hmm. that are funny to kind of follow their commentary. Sometimes some of that is the best crack. Uh, or just Twitter in general when there's mm-hmm. um, obviously like Love Island is on. So I may have talked about them last year. It's getting so long into the podcast now. I don't know if I've recommended people before or not. <laughs> but um, so my favorite person to follow for all Love Island talk. And I'd say now she kind of regrets it because it's kind of her niche. Do you know what I mean? Like I'd say mm. every year when Love Island is approaching, she's like, oh, for fuck's sake, I have to do this again. Yeah. But it's Vanula J. Did I talk about yeah. her before? You did, I did think I? you did. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, I mentioned her again because there's a couple of them. So uh, she is just a bit of crack. She kind of goes through, not every night now anymore. So like before she'd always kind of watch it and go through the commentary and stuff. But now she can kind of do it and, you know, like a day later or whatever. Um, Just very funny. Just very funny takes and stuff. She also finds some of the best stuff on the internet, you know, in terms of memes and that. So it's quite funny she... to kind of just follow her. Is she, um, what is she on Instagram or Twitter or what? Yeah, Instagram, Instagram. So she's okay. uh, kind of like, I wouldn't really call her an influencer. She wouldn't, she's kind of works for like media. She's more of a journalist, I'd say, than anything else. But she um, does, a Love Island thing kind of, I think, launched her in terms of her own kind of uh, fame and stuff like that. But my, in my opinion, I don't know. I don't. I didn't know her before that. I suppose so. But she's also kind of on Virgin Media and stuff. She'll always be on like the one, the the you know the six o'clock show talking about like kind of reality TV and films and TV and all of that stuff. But she's a bit of crack to follow. And um, the other person then who I only started following recently is Ellen T. Cawley. So again. He just talks about Love Island. He's quite uh, sharp <laughs> with oh, yeah. the, his commentary, but quite funny. So obviously we'll tag the minute. Um, but again, just kind of synopsizing what's going on and giving his own views and stuff like that. But it was good. Uh, I quite enjoy his dry commentary also on Love Island. So there's two free. Um, there was a few other bits over the weeks, but I think I'll keep them for next week just because yeah. now is prime Love Island time. So mm-hmm. check them out. Like Are you going to watch sometime. it? Yeah. I so I watched uh, I watched I haven't watched it uh, Monday night we were babysitting so I didn't watch it on Monday last night I just couldn't be arsed watching it so I don't know I find always at the start it's kind of hard to get into it like you know it's hard to know who's nice who's not nice um Gemma own what's his face his daughter's oh yeah Mike Lone's daughter that's good Mike Lone's yeah. daughter is getting quite a bit of stick, like, but she's so young, like she's 19, you know, so I think it's way too young to be in there with the amount of shit you get from the internet then, you know, but yeah. um, she's getting a bit of stick, all right, because she's just a bit, a little bit bratty, you know, in that kind of the mm. way she kind of is with people. Um, Obviously, this really hot Italian guy came in at the end of the first episode. And from what I'm gathering last night, he kind of had to pick someone. He picked her. He's 27 and he doesn't look like he's much of a personality. He's unreal attractive. Like Mm -hmm. his spot is incredible and he's very good looking, Mm -hmm. but just seems to be a bit dry. So I don't know. The casting is a bit weird so far. Irish fella in there, Demi. um, I mean, in his first thing you know at the start when they before they even go in they do their kind of mm. what's called box mm. box pops or whatever yeah and he talked about the fact that he has a heart-shaped birthmark on his penis so it was just like wow okay we're really starting with the classy acts here <laughs> tmi so, mm-hmm. yeah so uh i suppose yeah so everything to love island obviously like if you do follow it twitter is just hilarious so if you've never followed twitter as you follow love island you're seriously missing out so do it now it do it now hilarious yeah yeah, yeah. enrich your life and- with love island 
shite chat on Twitter. <laughs> Indeed. It's good, like an hour brainless TV every night if you want yeah. it. So, you know. If we didn't have so much coming up in the next few weeks, I nearly would do it again this year, but I actually just don't have time for it, unfortunately. So yeah, I'll get you to maybe. keep me for then. I'll see stuff anyway. I know I'll probably dip in and out of it. So. Ash, it's um, everywhere. It's everywhere. Like you're just yeah, completely... Can't avoid it. Even, if you, even if you don't want to watch it, you kind of don't have a choice. So yeah. that is the internet for this week. Five. So number five this week is just mindless spat really um <laughs> was well, not really a spat robbie williams has responded to liam gallagher's epic return to network park oasis famously played the iconic venue in 1996 performing to 250,000 people across two nights robbie meanwhile played to 375,000 fans across three nights in 2003 Given that Noel Gallagher once branded him the fat dancer from Take That, <laughs> William, William sent the guitarist a pair of tap dancing shoes with a note that read, Dear Mr. N. Gallagher, you said that two nights at Nedbert is history. Well, I guess three is just greedy. Yours, Rob. <laughs> Last weekend, Liam Gallagher returned to Nedbert as a solo artist, playing to 160,000 people across two nights. Asked last night if he wished to return to the site himself, Williams told the NME to go and do three again. I don't know. I listened to Liam's album and there's some amazing songs on there, like proper, proper, you know, how music should be or how this middle-aged fella thinks music should be. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you revisit Nebworth, though. Do you revisit it? I'm sure we'd do okay if we sold tickets as cheaply as Liam. Tickets for Liam Gallagher's Nebworth show were priced £65. William swiftly clarified, I, I just apologise for saying the cheaply thing. If you write that, can you say I apologise? I was being bitchy. <laughs> Before adding, Nebworth is not something that's on my radar. Glastonbury, on the other end, I'd like to do that. Oh. Williams was speaking at the Dover Street Arts Club in central London ahead of the launch of his new album, which I think is 25 XXV, which marks 25 years of his career as a solo artist and is due for release on September 9th via Columba Records. I didn't know he had an album coming out. Meanwhile, it was revealed last year that a Robbie Williams biopic, Better Man, is in the works with the greatest showman director Michael Gracie at the helm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, this is the interesting bit of the article. Williams will play himself in some scenes. I can tell you this, he said at the launch event. I went to Melbourne to film my bits and it was absolutely incredible and weird, like a glitch in the Matrix. I'm in a makeup room and the guy that's playing my dad's there, the woman that's playing my mom's there and the lady that's playing my grandma's there. Referring to his former Take That band members, he added, Howard Donald's wig is there, Jason Orange's chin is there and you've got your whole life surrounding you and all of a sudden you walk out of the makeup room and you're playing a scene from your life and it's as mad as you think it is. It's your birthday party. I don't know if, it, if I deserve this, but it's happening. So I'm going along for the ride. And he says it has every chance of being a success. But, you know, there's a million miles between here and it being a success. But I'm very confident that it won't be wank. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I mean, I feel like I appreciate his honesty with this, where he's like, could be a success, could be not a success. Yeah. But like, yeah. Eric, you got to love Robbie. I saw he's kind of doing a you few more bits lately. He hasn't been doing much mm -hmm. for a while, but he was at like somewhere as well. Was it somewhere in Leeds maybe over the weekend? He did a concert because they yeah, won he, some he cup a, or a something. Return yeah, concert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, Homecoming thing. It's kind of nice to see him. Like, it's funny because he's been so out of everything for the last couple of years and yeah. now you can see he has an album coming because he's slowly trickling mm -hmm. back into society, like and into mm -hmm. the news and into media and all that. So, yeah. Yeah, we love Robbie. Last time we went to see him, he probably wasn't the best, but I still, mm. like, if he was going to do a gig... Like for cheap enough again, like maybe sixty quid. I think last time we paid like one hundred twenty quid, didn't we, to, to get into the pit? Well, we got gold circle. Yeah, yeah, we were in the pit. Yeah, yeah. but uh, and to but be he, fair, it was a good day out. But 
It was, but he he sat down for so much of the concert. It was like, this is not great. I think he had a bad back at the time. I don't know if he still has a bad back, but um, kind of messed up his, you know, he was usually back in the golden days. He would be all over the stage running around. The yeah, place, and like, I energy, still you know? think it was good, though. It's just I think we have, sure we've seen him loads of times, like four or five times. Yeah. So I think when you mm-hmm. compare it to other injuries, he's just getting a bit older. But I'd go see him again just for the nostalgia sake. Like, you know, I mean, when you mm. know, like me and Ger last year, we were a bit tipsy one night and we started putting on all his like old school stuff and like, you know, things like the road to Mandalay and stuff you don't really hear. Mm. They're wicked songs. I'd lo- you know, mm. so I think I'd go all right again just for the nostalgia if he did tour. He probably Maybe will we tour. should see if we can get him for um get him for day two of the wedding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He'll probably tour with the new album, so probably next summer. Yeah. I bet you there'll be an announcement in the next couple of months. Yeah, he's such a good entertainer. I think, you know, that article was way longer. I cut a lot of it out, but um he talked about sort of having a lot to write and talk about when he was in his twenties and thirties because his life was like mayhem you know mm. um and that things kind of settle down everyone says that don't they when things get a bit like settled and boring you know you don't have anything to write about yeah or when you become famous you don't have anything to write about whereas before you're famous you've got loads of fodder you know yeah the you know the difficult second album type thing but um yeah so no no that was Robbie he's, he's always good for a bit of cheeky chappy stuff isn't he oh yeah but um yeah, so we were we went to see the Killers actually on oh, Monday night. Oh yeah, and, um, tell us all about it. Yeah, it was brilliant, but like the queues were insane, and sure, by the time we got out of the house and all that, I thought Supergrass was supporting them, and I was like, eh, I could take or leave Supergrass, do you know what I mean? And um, when we were walking up to the stadium, sure, it was like that's not Supergrass, and I was like, what? And it was Blossoms, who I actually really like, and oh, I was like, damn no. it. So, like, just as we were getting to the stadium, they were finishing up. And the queues, there must have been, like, 5,000 people in the queue ahead of us when we got there. But, like, why and is it so slow? Like, it's so weird. I think it's, like, the same as everywhere. Shortage of staff. And then, like, they were doing security checks, so checking everybody's bags and stuff. And I think eventually they just, the cops just told them to let people in, you know, because it was getting close to, like, band time. And there was thousands of people still outside the stadium, you know. But um, the venue actually wasn't that bad. It was just, there wasn't enough stuff. And then there wasn't enough, there was one bar, you know, for 20,000 mm, people. Mad. So come on, like, um, and there was like two burger vans and, and a coffee thing. That was kind of it, like, but um, it was very pleasant. Yeah, I missed the first few songs as a result of all the queuing. But the God almighty, the screen was unbelievable. There was like 200 foot screen backdrop at, um, behind the stage. It was absolutely class. Brandon Flowers, like, he's such good quality. Like, you know, he's easy on the eye. He's great entertainer, mm-hmm. like, just, and very active and stuff. I always remember seeing him at Oxygen in, like, 2004 or five, and they were dreadful, the killers. They just stood there. They did nothing. I remember thinking this is so Yeah, I remember you seeing that, yeah. Yeah, but um, I've seen them a couple of times since. The last time was in um, the, they were a surprise act at Glastonbury in, I'd say, 2017, I'd say, the last time we were there. And the John Peel stage, and it was brilliant, really high energy, just awesome. And um, that was kind of what they were channeling as well on Monday night. So, yeah, um, anyone else who's going to see them on their UK tour or whatever, I think they've been to Ireland already. Mm. Yeah, they're going to, they're good, good. They did two nights here, actually. They were on last night as well. And bloody Supergrass were on last night. But anyway, <laughs> so, yeah, that was good. It's so good to be nice, like, outside mm. at a big thing, you know, like, it was cool. And they did, they did loads of, like, pyrotechnics and confetti cannons and all that stuff I love so it was like big stuff, big yeah. yeah a big sort of show you know so it was cool so get me pumped for Glasgow but in a few the weeks. thing is as well like you know it, it's us too like we're not used to being 
at concerts and stuff. So if that was you a few years mm. ago, you might have been there three or four. Well, you might have been there like an hour or two hours beforehand, you know, potentially mm, in the area. Maybe. I'm sure with kids and all that now, it's not like you can, if you have to rock up kind of last minute as well. Like, so it's probably just the way life has yeah. changed as well. But yeah, we have a few gigs now coming up as well. We have Chemical Brothers in two weeks. So looking forward to that. And, uh, God, yeah, so just concerts, yeah. concerts in general. Uh, we actually gave our buddies uh, Elaine and Patrick tickets to the national on one day. So they went here and it was a very good gig apparently. So, and this guest, mm. because they were in like a local wine bar, then having their dinner after, <laughs> you know, Cork is so small, <laughs> like the national, like it's yeah. so funny, but um, there's been a lot of, a few things like that lately where big stars are around for the marquee and they're just like being spotted left, right and center. <laughs> and like yeah. the black IDs were in Galway last week. It was kind of random. A load of people had pictures with them as well. <laughs> So it's really yeah yeah bizarre, but um that's the crack. So very good, lovely bit of summer life. I love a bit of a outdoor gig. And Forbidden Fruit was on yeah. as well here at the weekend, and they one day was oh, yeah. unreal, and then the second day was absolutely pissing it down. So at least oh, it's one good day. I was thinking of people at it, and it, it would definitely give you four more. Yeah. Even though I think I'm getting a bit old now for those type of festivals, but um mm. it gave me four more. I'd love to go to a festival. <laughs> But anywho, nice. so that's us. We'll be me. having our Murphy O'Brien festival in a few weeks anyway. You'll be all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, hopefully no wellies needed for that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. So listen, everybody, thanks for your patience. We weren't around for a few weeks. We're back this week and next week. And God only knows what will happen after that. And the week after, I'd say. Uh, and tune in again next week and tell your friends and yeah. Very good. Come I was thinking that, that one in three weeks' time, though, you'll be just back from Glastonbury, so. No, three, no. Oh, sorry, two weeks. Yeah, not the third week. Next week and the week after. Yeah, yeah, you'll yeah. probably be half dead, yeah. so. Um, yeah. I won't even be back from Glastow. I'll still be down there cleaning up. <laughs> yeah, Kelly um, is absolutely lunatic. So. Did, you tell, did you tell people what you're doing? Did you tell the podcast what you're doing for that? I don't know. Yeah, so I'm going to Glastonbury, <laughs> but for my ticket, I have to stay on and help clean up, so. Um, I am unashamed. I'm actually treating it as like a mindfulness exercise. You know, I'm just going to get back. You'll be wrecked. I think it's going to be hard work. That picking up shite. It will be hard work. But Nicola, I get to go home at five o'clock and sit on the couch (laughs) and go to bed early. It's fucking paradise. True. Are you kidding me? True. Jeepers. It'd be easier work than being here. And hopefully I'll be able to get a bit of a tan and uh, the arms will be all toned up for the wedding. <laughs> oh, God. And just try not to get stripes. You get all bloody uh, tan stripes from the week before. I'll be out collecting litter in my boob tube. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Oh, you are not a... Yeah. Oh, that's right. so. <laughs> Back next week, dudes. Be kind to each other. Thanks, Love you. everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you.